Hey, everybody, it's Andrea. Before we start today's show, I have a super quick announcement to share with you. In May, my College to Career Academy will hold a series of live weekend boot camps to help graduating seniors as well as juniors who are confused about what jobs and careers they might want to pursue when they graduate. So imagine going from confused to confident with at least three different career options you'd be psyched to explore by the end of day one of the boot camp, and then learning the tools, tactics, and the strategies to find those jobs by the end of day two. The boot camp is live, and it's led by me over Zoom, and you can learn more about it at College to Career Academy. That's college, the number two, career dot academy. Or you can just look me up on LinkedIn and check out the featured section of my LinkedIn page. I can't imagine a better graduation gift for the college students in your life. Thanks so much for listening, and I know you're going to enjoy my next incredible guest. Hi there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple shot K-Cup with my guest, Michael Dickinson. So can you take us into a typical day for you now during the coronavirus? We're doing this interview in early February of 2021. I'm guessing you see most, if not all of your patients virtually. You were telling us in the Espresso Shots interview that you have patients now all over the world since yes, the coronavirus. It became much more mainstream for people to reach out for, for help, mental health and all these reasons. And one thing has led to another, and I spent more time on social media. Then somewhere along the line, I also started working for a company that uh, works with many people abroad. And between one and the other, yes, people from all, all around the world. Sometimes I have to go to my schedule and uh, check my notes to see where, it, where exactly it is that this person is that I'm talking to. Because you, you, you log on the video and there's a person in their bedroom. Okay, hang on, let me check the notes. What, what country, what continent, what time zone? Okay, there we go. So what is a day like for you during the coronavirus? Well, during this particular lockdown, it will be waking up with my youngest son because he never sleeps very, very long in the morning. He'll always wake up for one reason or another. I'll get up with him, do breakfast, wait for everybody else to get up, walk the dogs, to hopefully take the kids out as well to get some fresh air. And then it will be either me or my wife starting the uh, sessions which is also a practitioner and then while one of us is working seeing patients the other one will play with the kids and sometimes we one or two sessions in and swap but can sometimes be a full day and so it's it's kind of crazy but at the same time time just flies by whereas 
when you're hitting the books, when you're still in university, you keep hearing about how as a therapist, you're not supposed to have an identity. It's supposed to be as much of a blank slate as possible so that people can project whatever onto you. So very neutral sort of office, uh, they know nothing about your life, ideally, etc. That has all gone right out the window with, with the coronavirus. People, everybody who I talk to will at some point realize that I have kids running around the house. They will often have one of my dogs jump up onto my lap because the, one of them really loves to say hi to whoever it is that I'm talking to on the video. And so it's something I've just taken my stride and uh, sometimes might even be part of uh, the odd session where somebody will say, oh, I'm so bored, you at least have kids to go and play with. Well, yeah, <laughs> kind of how you could look at it. But yes, so... Then I'll have my sessions, then clock out and go straight into to playing with kids and dealing with whatever it is that they're going through. And if the weather's permitting, take everybody for another walk. And then it's time for, for dinner and hopefully peaceful night. Like that, the weeks just rocket by. So for those who haven't had a therapy session, and I've been in therapy since 2008, so actually it's 13 years now, because I believe I started in January of 2008 and have found it to be really insightful and mm -hmm. very helpful to me personally. But for those who haven't had therapy, can you take us into the flow of a session? What is it like? What, what is the experience like for, for you, Michael? Mm -hmm. Not easy to, to generalize because each, each person will have a very unique experience. I'll, I've talked to some people in which the silences will stretch to almost the entire session because it's just very difficult to talk about anything. And I've spoken to people who talked so much. So in the first session, they didn't even pause to, to let me talk and left feeling like they hadn't had any help at all. So it varies tremendously. But what would a person typically expect from at least me to first to get an idea of where they are now and how they got here. What I aim to do is that people can find themselves talking about very complex issues by answering very, very simple questions. So it's it would be like a very in-depth conversation with an old friend. That's what I hope, with the difference that this old friend knows nothing about them and has absolutely no personal opinion that will in any way impact their lives. And as time goes by, as uh, people learn to trust me, it's sometimes very funny. We'll just clock out from work because now everybody's in video sessions. They'll clock out from a meeting and just start with me. And sometimes they'll go, you can just see their face changing right in the first few seconds. They'll be like in business mode. And the next moment they're like, oh my. And just a, a line of swearing that nonstop, just getting it all out and saying, everything is absolutely awful. Everything's gone terrible right now, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, what's happening? Is something actually going bad or is it your boss who's, uh, who's annoying you? Then they'll take a moment to, to, to breathe and then whatever has to roll out of the conversation will roll. So a typical session, questions and answers, and then the rest really depends on what comes from the inside. I've had people who I ask, well, how are you doing? And they burst out in tears. So that really will depend on whoever, whoever comes to, to look for help. I've noticed in my own therapy, Michael, and I've worked with mm -hmm. a couple of therapists over the years, they haven't said Andrea, you're repeating a pattern mm -hmm. from when you were a child. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's as if they're holding up a mirror mm -hmm. and eventually one day the light bulb goes off. Is that a typical style for therapists? Well, each person will find their own style and what makes the most sense according to their academic background. But yes, ideally, it's not about 
me pointing out to people, hey, look, this is happening. Because if I tell you, if you were my patient, oh, you're doing this. And you might not like that. So you might start counter arguing. So that's useless. The idea would be more like, so this happened. Yeah. And that happened when you were seven, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, what do you think about that? Be something more along those lines. Anything that could help the person to make the connection themselves. It should be more subtle than this example I've just given you. But the idea will always be to get the person to think, to get there by themselves. Because if you try to force feed somebody answers, one, they might accept it and that's going to be bad for them because they didn't construct any thought about it and they just submitted to my opinion. And two, they might just reject it and we're back to square one. You wrote a popular LinkedIn post about why you think people should explore seeing a therapist, Michael, when there are so many other quote unquote tools out there to help us, whether it's exercise or motivational books, healthy eating, meditation. You said there are really no magic steps. Why a therapist and not the rest of those tools? The answer is very simple because we are human. And as human beings, we are a social species. Everything we are as individuals came from relationships. It came from relationship to a mother or a mother figure or a father or a father figure. If the very, very rare cases in history in which we've seen individuals raised by wolves and things like that, they were completely dysfunctional. They were not fit for a social interaction in any way. So if everything that's important that makes us who we are came through socialization, this is the very reason why we should look for help within a social relationship, within a therapeutic relation. Often it will be the case that the relationship itself is first more important and only secondly important what's being said. The existence of somebody in your life who is completely judgment-free and just there to support you in whatever it is that you have to say can be incredibly powerful. What's the difference between this and self-help books and meditation and all that? Those other ones are done by yourself. You can meditate and imagine that you win the lottery or whatever, etc. And this is very comfortable. This is that's great. It's nice to have a foot rub. But what's that going to do towards helping you build a new understanding on something you've already spent so much time thinking? Hmm. And what's the difference, in your opinion, between talking with a therapist, psychologist versus your best friend or a family member? Be it a, a best friend or a family member, they're always too close to the trees to see, too close to the forest to see the trees. They will always have an opinion on what you're going through. There will always be somebody in your life. And in regards to that, you will want to, even if subconsciously, hold back from sharing certain informations. You might have something absolutely horrible you're going through and you don't want to share it with a family member because you don't want them to be worried about you or things of the sort. And even a best friend, you might not want to, to share everything because it might overburden the relationship as well. Also, these people, as well-intended as they are, they might not have uh, the right skill set to help you see what's happening. So that would be the, the major difference. Why did you start writing your fictional stories, the clinical tales, two years ago? Who is the audience for those stories and what do you hope they get out of them, Michael? Well, at present, they're still mostly in Portuguese because I started writing them for, for a Portuguese audience and I still haven't gotten around to translating the site to English. What happened was in 2018, I had been working for a company, a clinic, 
and it got to the point where well, it wasn't working out. So I stopped working there. And in Portugal, when you break a long-term contract, you're given a number of, of months in which you don't necessarily have to start immediately working. And at that point, I had a very simple choice. I would either look for, for a job and whatever I'd earn would then go to pay daycare. Or I would stay in this position and uh, because of the agreements we have here, daycare would be very much close to free. And I figured, okay, I have these few months, I can either go and get a full-time job and be away from my daughter, or I can stay home with her and spend as much time as I can with her in these, uh, these first few months. And hey, let's just give it a go. Let's try and uh, build something new. So at the time, I had some colleagues who said, oh, put up a Facebook page. Oh, do this, do that. And some random posts about the five ways to deal with anxiety and uh, those mainstream sort of posts. And I thought, okay, well, let's, let's create a Facebook page. And then I was uh, stuck with the dilemma of, well, what should I write about? And I figured, what is it that I like about this? I like the stories. I like the, the way in which unbelievably complex issues are sometimes played out in apparently very simple situations. And I think to myself, if more people could read the, uh, the clinical uh, reports that I had access to, more people would then look for help. But obviously, there's no way I could share this. So then I figured, okay, well, let's, uh, let's just break it down. Let's make a simple story about somebody who started getting depressed because there is a, a side of depression that is very appealing. And I wrote that story and boom. It had a huge amount of reactions on Facebook and uh, stuck to that for a while and then eventually got a method going, writing one once a week. And as time went by, I started doing it on LinkedIn. And then at one point I figured, hey, let's just do it in English and see if uh, more people are, are interested. And yeah, between the stories and uh, other posts and suddenly people from all over uh, contacting me. The other month there was a, a film director from Asia who's talking talking to me, ah, I liked your story and stuff. Okay, well, that's, that's amazing. Not, not in the sense that he wanted to make a movie, but it's just, wow, this is, got people from the other side of the world saying, I like your stories. And then after the first confinement finished, I happened to bump into the odd friend here and then said, oh, look, I've been reading your stories. They, they really helped me pass the time while, while I was in confinement. They helped me understand a few things. And I spoke to a few more other people and they said, oh, does that really help me understand that one thing I was going through? So I was like, okay, well, this is all added bonus. I was just writing because I enjoyed it. So that's how it started. And although I've been uh, away from the writing board for, for a couple of months now, I do intend to get back to it as soon as possible. And who is my audience? Everyone. Everyone who wants to, to stop for two minutes and read a story, because I always try to make them two minutes long. And to just understand that even very complicated situations, when they're broken down, they make a lot more sense than they do at first glance. And of course, if they make more sense, there's more help available to people. It's easier to understand that there is a way out because that's one of the major difficulties that people have when uh, they first look for help. They think it's impossible to get out from where they are. And it's not. It's not, absolutely. It's always possible to get out. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much. <laughs>